And welcome on in to the Zach Gelb Show right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach on this Monday. Welcome in. Appreciate you making us a part of your Monday evening. Where else? But right here on CBS Sports Radio. Of course, as is really every single Monday in the football season, a loaded, loaded show coming off of what was a great college football Saturday a upset-filled NFL Sunday, so a lot to get into. A very busy, busy weekend. Hopefully for you, it was enjoyable. And again, we welcome and appreciate you for joining us to spend a few minutes of your Monday right here with us, the Zach Gelb Show, or else, but CBS Sports Radio. All right, let's start with the NFL, and let's start with one of the most shocking results of week number three, and that was the Broncos getting smoked, to say the least, to put it nicely. By the Miami Dolphins, 70 to 20. I still can't believe it's a real number. It feels like a college football score is Michigan's taking on the little sisters of the poor, but indeed did happen on a real NFL field. And that brings me to this conclusion. No one has been more disappointing so far through the first three weeks of the NFL season than Sean Payton. This is a coach, and this is a guy who talked a lot of smack that promised a lot of things turnaround, playoffs, rejuvenated Russell Wilson, revitalized offense, and has delivered nothing. Delivered nothing. The season's already over. Three games into the season. You're 0-3. Playoffs are gone. And as you watch this team through three games when they've taken on the Raiders, the Commanders, and now the Dolphins, not exactly the most challenging three-game schedule to open up your season, Watching those three games, I can't sit here and honestly tell you I see a definitive difference between a Sean Payton-coached Denver Broncos team and a Nathaniel Hackett-coached Denver Broncos team. This team this year is just as bad as they were last year, and in some areas worse. And for a guy that was brought in, promised to change things and turn things around, as someone who I'm speaking to you as a Broncos believer, you know this if you are, and hopefully you are, a big-time listener to the Zach Elb Show. You know full well then, I, Ryan Hickey, bought in big-time to Sean Payton coming into this Broncos team and turning things around, even if they did not make a lot of roster changes. Just his presence alone, I thought, would lead this team to bare minimum being a playoff team. And now as we sit here on the heels of an embarrassing 70-burger dropped on their head, to fall to 0-3, you look at this offense, you look at the penalties, you look at the communication, there are a lot of the same faults this year compared to last year. But you look at last year, I, I could take multiple shows to tell you what was wrong with the Broncos under Nathaniel Hackett. But if we just keep it very concise and very short, generally, a lot of the problems that led to Hackett's downfall and the, Bron- uh, and the Broncos' downfall last year were what? Penalties. They were one of the most penalized teams in all the league last year. Offense. Lowest scoring offense, despite the fact they went all in on Russell Wilson. Lowest points per game in the league. Denver Broncos 2022. Communication. Remember last year in week number two, their first home game of the season? They had the fans last year against the Houston Texans counting down the play clock because they, the fans, didn't trust the coaches and players to snap the ball on time. That was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen a home fan base do to their own team in their own building. 
But it happened in large part because communication last year between Nathaniel Hackett and his coaches, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson and the rest of the team was horrendous. And so you look at penalties, offense, communication, and consistency. Anytime they get any sort of momentum going, it was squashed right away. They could never put two good drives together, two good games together. Hell, I mean, two good quarters last year together, they could barely do. So those were a lot of the tenants, right? Those were a lot of the foundational pieces as to why the Broncos were 5-12 and 12 last year. And you look at now, okay, same roster, but you bring in an experienced Super Bowl winning head coach. An offensive genius, one of the best offensive minds the NFL has ever seen in Sean Payton, who all he did in New Orleans was take that team and win, and won right away. Right, Stepped in day one in New Orleans and started winning. Didn't take time, didn't have to develop a culture or bring in his own guys. He won immediately, and he was brought into the Broncos with the thought of immediate winning. And you look at the same problems with Denver last year, or I should say, you look at a lot of the problems for Denver last year. A lot of those problems last year are right now the same problems this year that have the Broncos right now sitting at 0-3. You look at penalties. They are the third most penalized team in all of the league so far through three games. And you look at that Dolphins game yesterday specifically, That if that is not the perfect encapsulation of an undisciplined team right now leading to their demise, I don't know what is. Look, they lost by 50, so... I'm not going to say these three penalties I'm about to bring up here were the difference in the game because they were not. They could have scored touchdowns in all three, and they still lose by multiple scores. But you look early in the game. They had a touchdown call wiped away because of an offensive pass interference. Another touchdown call wiped off the board because of an illegal shift. And a false start in the red zone that eventually stalled the drive and led to a field goal. That is potentially what should have been 21 points on the board taken off by stupid penalties. Again, in yesterday's game, when you lose by 50, it doesn't matter as much. But when you are consistently penalizing and and shooting yourself in the foot, it's not a surprise that those penalties and being one of the highest, you know, most penalized teams in the league right now is a reason why you are 0-3. Penalties were a problem last year. They're a problem this year. Communication. I don't know if you noticed, and again, when the Dolphins are hanging touchdowns left and right, it's hard to notice, Russell Wilson... Wore a wristband yesterday during yesterday's game. Now, at least unlike Nathaniel Hackett, right, at least Sean Payne was able to get Russ to buy into that notion of wearing a wristband. But the reason why Russ had to wear a wristband in the first place was because communication between the head coach and the quarterback and the quarterback and the team were off. Plenty of times in week two against the commanders, even a little bit in week number one, play calls are getting late. They're breaking the huddle late. They're getting delayed games. They're having to call timeouts in order to avoid getting delay of game penalties. The communication, just like it was last year, was off, is off again this year. The offensive consistency is nowhere to be found where, yes, I will agree and give Sean Payton this. Through three games, Russell Wilson looks better. Now, drastically better? Obviously not. Deep ball looks a little bit better. Russell looks a little bit more comfortable. The scheme looks improved. Like they, The Broncos look like at least they're running an offense where they know what they're doing. But you look so far through the first three games, you score 16 points at home in a loss against the Raiders. You score 21 points right out of the shoot against the Commanders, then go dormant essentially for the rest of the game, and you get lucky by a Hail Mary to at least have the ability to 
tie the game and extend the game and go overtime. Can't convert on a two-point conversion. And then against Miami, nice drive to open up the game. You score a touchdown early on to make it 14-7, to and then your offense basically goes flat the rest of the game. There's been no consistency whatsoever. Russell Wilson can hit a few deep passes here and there, but it's not consistent, and you can't get drive after drive put together. So you look right now, all the issues I just laid out for last year's Broncos team, penalties, communication, consistency in offense, all the same problems we are now talking about in 2023. That's why, to me, there's no one more disappointing, no player, no coach, no team, more disappointing so far through the first three games of this NFL season than Broncos head coach Sean Payton. He was brought in to turn upside down everything Nathaniel Hackett did. Everything Hackett did, Payton was supposed to do the opposite of it. And so far through three games, it's basically a mirror image. I can't sit here and honestly tell you I see a discernitive difference between the 2022 Broncos under uh, under Nathaniel Hackett and the 2023 Broncos under Sean Payton. It is basically a direct replica of last year's season this year. And that's a problem. And honestly, to at least give Nate Hackett this, you know, credit, at least his defense was good. Right? That the Broncos last year were not bad because their defense was terrible. Defense actually kept them in games longer than they should and made some losses even respectable. But this year, 35 points to the Commanders in week number two. And we just saw what the Commanders did against the Bills on Sunday with five turnovers and three points. And then yesterday, a 70 spot. 70. Second most points of all time, 726 yards of total offense. Vance Joseph is horrendous. He has taken a good, really good defense and made it one of the worst. And that's on Sean Payton, too. He deserves blame. Sure, he's an offensive guy. And sure, he was brought in, right, to coach and elevate Russell Wilson. But he also made the hire of Vance Joseph, and he owns that mistake. So it's not just the fact that the offense right now is almost a mirror image of what we've seen, what we saw last year. It's also the fact that his hirings now have, forget about not panned out, they have been a colossal failure. A colossal failure. And it's one thing if Sean Payton had a quiet offseason and was still doing this, right? It's one thing if he just came in, kept his mouth shut, grinded, was promised and was, you know, talked about in the outside media. Folks like me, folks like people out in Denver on radio, on TV, you the fans speculating, going back and forth. Oh, what do you think this team is going to look like now with a real competent head coach? It's one thing if we project expectations. It's one thing if we talk crap about Nathaniel Hackett and say, oh, this year is going to be way better. Like, no way Sean Payne's going to be anywhere near as bad as Hackett was. One thing for us to say it and Payton not to uh, follow through. It's another thing when Sean Payton himself opens his mouth, takes an absolute blowtorch to anyone associated with the Broncos organization last season, calling Nathaniel Hackett basically one of the worst coaches he's ever seen in NFL history, talk about how he's going to be pissed if he misses the playoffs, and through three games is doing equal, if not a worse job than Hackett did last year has one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and three weeks into the season, you're, the season's over. Playoffs are not happening. Done. You cannot talk that talk and then forget about not walk the walk. He's not even been able to crawl the crawl. 
He can't even get out of the starting blocks in order to attempt to walk the walk and back up his words. It's been an absolute embarrassment. It's been an absolute embarrassment for Broncos fans, for that organization, and for Sean Payton himself. You cannot talk that smack. And I bought into it. Again, shame on me. As George Bush would say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, uh, you can't get shamed again. Can't get fooled again. I got fooled again. I bought into the Broncos last year as a Super Bowl winner. I bought into the Broncos this year as a playoff team. And all I got to say is, shame on me. I bought into Sean Payton. I bought into one man turning an organization around. And if anything, Sean Payton has made this team worse. Made this team worse. So there's no one. Through the first three weeks of this NFL season, I would say, is a bigger disappointment than right now Broncos head coach Sean Payton. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You can tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three, as it is Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. Through three weeks, there's a lot of contestants. Vikings fall to 0-3 right after Kirk Cousins uh, throws a pick in the end zone late. The Jets right now, I know Aaron Rodgers, the injury does impact them, but they are right now falling apart at the seams. Right now, the Bengals, about to kick off in an hour or so from now, or two hours from now, I believe, uh, are looking to avoid an 0-3 start to the season. They've been in disappointment as well. Make plenty of teams, plenty of players, plenty of coaches right now. We can point the finger at the three weeks as the biggest disappointment in the NFL. What do you think? Is it Sean Payton? Is Sean Payton, in your mind right now, the biggest disappointment in the NFL? If not, I would love to hear why. If you have a bigger failure so far, let me know. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Again, you can tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. When we return, speaking of failure, two teams embarrassed themselves on Sunday. And you know what? It was a good thing for both. Sunday, even though it was an embarrassment for two teams that lost, was a productive and positive Sunday. I'll tell you why when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Elb right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Zach Gelb Show. You said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic game. I'm aware. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 700. What's the question? What's the question? I just finished telling you. Next question. I'm at a loss for words because I've never been in. I've been on the other side of some games like that. And then every once in a while in this league, you get your butt whipped. But this was more than that. Now back to the Zach Gelb show. That, if you cannot tell by the tone, by the question asked, was Sean Payton, Broncos head coach, after the 70 to 20 drubbing that the Bronco, uh, that the Dolphins handed him. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. Look, I get, look, obviously if you're Sean Payton, you're not happy in that situation. Right? You're not happy going to a press conference talking about your defense dropping or allowing 70 points, 10 touchdowns, and getting thoroughly embarrassed on that field in Miami on Sunday. But you know what, Sean? You did it to yourself. You talk the talk. You take a blowtorch to the Broncos coaching staff last year. You talk about how this is a playoff team and anything short of the playoffs you're going to be pissed about. And now all of a sudden, three games, you're, you're going to now try to start 
petty fights with reporters or get upset that the question's not being asked the way you want it to be or as fast as you want it to be, you got to own this. You got to eat it, man. This is on you. You made this mess. If you didn't think the Broncos are going to be good this year, don't run your mouth. If you thought this team stunk, if Russell Wilson was unfixable, if this defense was going to take a step back, if the receivers dropping like flies left and right were going to lead the, lead the offense to maybe not exploding out of the gate in year number one, if you really thought, you know what, I can't win with Russ, I'll use year number one to, to quote-unquote try, but I'm going to try to get my quarterback in here, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through a trade at some point in the next year or two, but you're going to ride this season out, fine. Don't then start peacocking around, talking your talk, strutting your stuff, and then pull that garbage. No sympathy whatsoever for Sean Payton. And again, as someone who was a Bronco believer and a Bronco backer, and specifically a Sean Payton believer going to Denver, being the difference. For me, at least, there's been no bigger disappointment so far through the first three weeks of this NFL season than Sean Payton. Do you know or you think there has been a bigger failure so far? Team, player, coach. And right now, it's been a bigger disappointment than Sean Payton and the job he's doing in Denver. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. David is calling from Dallas. What's up, David? Ryan, I'm, let me just go ahead and throw a few things at you. First of all, Sean Payton is Jeff Fisher with Drew Brees in a Super Bowl ring. Look at him without Drew Brees. He's basically Jeff Fisher. He's 7-9, 8-8, and 9-7, okay? That's who he is. Second of all, I don't think Sean Payton really won that job. I think he kind of ended up, if you remember where Phil Jackson took the Knicks job, he said, I didn't really want the job, but they offered me so much money, I just couldn't walk away from it. I think that's what happened with him with the Walmart, Walton, Pinner group. Last thing. I think Sean Payton, people expected him to be able to turn around, was really a crappy roster, and I think he he got to fill himself too much and went out there and said something crazy. I think his story at the end of the year would be, oh, my God, we got to start over. I gave it a shot, but this roster was so awful. I, I really think that Sean Payton, in a lot of ways, he, he's protected by, by, by the TV people, not just because he worked on TV, but because he's a TV darling. I'm going to tell you. If Mike McCarthy had been hired for that job and did the exact same thing, people would be cooking Mike McCarthy today. And otherwise, people would say, well, hey, I've already heard people today saying on TV saying, well, hey, well, well, what can you say? He's got Russell Wilson. He's settled with him. If that was Mike McCarthy, people would be demanding him be fired today. You're right about that, David. I appreciate that. I appreciate the call. I think you're right about the McCarthy point. But again, if you are right in the sense that like the roster is not – is the reason why this team stinks. Don't then, and this is what I'll say too for Sean Payton. Sean Payton had all, he he didn't say these comments. It's one thing if he took a blowtorch to Nathaniel Hackett and this coaching staff, let's say three days after he was hired, right? You get hired, you look at the film from last year, you look at what you're working with. I'm sure, you know, in the interview that he had with the Broncos, they're asking him like, what pieces can you work with? What do you like here? What can we do? What went wrong last year? What will you fix this year? It's one thing if he watched a little bit of film, watched watched the Broncos and said, you know what, I'm going to be the savior here. I'm going to come in and this is going to be all different because of me. And you take a blowtorch to Nathaniel Hackett and this coaching staff last year in middle of January. 
right when you're hired. You had all offseason. You had free agency. You had the draft. You had training camp to see where this roster was, to see what this team looks like in year number one under your regime, and you should have seen this coming. And if you really thought this team's not very good, he had plenty of opportunities to bite his tongue and not say a word, and he waited till almost the last possible second. It was about midway through training camp when he spoke to USA Today and said those words about the coaching staff and what he observed last year. By that point, you think, okay, we're good. We're going to make the playoffs. This team is going to be way better with me there than last year, and we are going to be good to compete. That's not one of those things where you're in over your skis before you know it, and all of a sudden now it's, oh, well, you know, I said that back in January. We got some injuries. You know, the roster's not panning out. Now that I see the guys on the grass, now the injuries are not panning out, uh, and now this team's not panning out the way I thought they would. You have plenty of time. You saw the roster and what the team would look like right in front of you. And you still said what you said. Now then you got to back up those words. And he's done anything but so far in his first three games. He's embarrassed himself. He's flat out absolutely embarrassed himself. Speaking of embarrassing themselves, as we transition here, and as a reminder, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Two teams embarrassed themselves on Sunday yesterday, but it's for the net positive going forward. Vikings lose a heartbreaker at home in which they lose to the previously winless Chargers on a late interception in the end zone from Kirk Cousins off TJ Hawkinson's hands and intercepted by Kenneth Murray. The Jets get no offense whatsoever, have Zach Wilson look like he is a JV quarterback trying to go against an NFL-ready defense, and the Jets embarrass themselves on offense. It was a good day for the Vikings. It was a good day for the Jets. Because yesterday was the final nail in the coffin. Yesterday was the last slap of reality to the face that showed both of these teams the direction they are going. And why, at least for me, why they cannot continue down the current path that they are on right now any further. If you are the Vikings, yesterday should all but end the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota. Whether you trade him this week, whether you trade him next week, at this point, for me, the decision should be, if you are Kwesi Dofamensa, if you are even Kevin O'Connell, the decision should already be made in your mind. Kirk is not going to be on this roster for the second half of the season. You are 0-3. The season is over. You're not going anywhere, and you have a quarterback on the last year of his deal who's about to be a free agent. Who also, by the way, you never committed to in the first place because all you did any time after the first contract when you signed him back in 2018, all you do is go year by year. Oh, we'll give him another year extension. Yeah, we'll give him one more year extension. You kept giving short-term extensions to your franchise quarterback because you, deep down, hoped and thought we could find someone better. We can upgrade. So if you already have one foot out the door, if you're the Vikings, with Kirk Cousins, what's the point holding on to him now for the rest of the season when he's about to be a free agent and you're 0-3? From the Vikings' perspective, I think that yesterday all but solidified the season is over. And the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota needs to come to an end. And if you are the Jets, again, you didn't need yesterday as a reminder. You had really two years um, screaming your face as a reminder. But yesterday, with the way Zach Wilson played, looking lost, looking confused, having that offense look anemic, to say the least. If you're the Jets, you cannot 
continue to run Zach Wilson out there. Like, I would be seriously afraid if I was Robert Sala that a mutiny would start. You're seeing it already start to begin. Whether it's Michael Carter on the sideline yelling at his running back coach. Things are starting to boil over. Tensions are starting to get high in week number three. You cannot continue to run Zach Wilson out there, have these offensive performances where you're trying to, as a coaching staff, you know, prop him up to make it seem like it's not all his fault, even though when you watch the game, it, it, all, it is all his fault, and trying to have the defense win you a game or get lucky. That's the Jets' game plan. And you're already starting to see that. I mean, it's been, it's been backfiring already, but now you're starting to see it really start to bubble to the surface and only get worse. And if you're the Jets, look, there's reports that Carson Wentz called you, Matt Ryan called you. Those are not the answers. It's going to be the same thing. Those quarterbacks are not very good. Nick Foles, same thing. It's a different face, same result. Bad quarterback play. The only way this is this season is going to turn around and at least inspire any sort of hope, just bare minimum prevent a mutiny from, from transpiring on your sideline, is by getting Kirk Cousins. If you're Joe Douglas, if you're Robert Sala, you cannot let this continue. Zach Wilson stinks. He has stunk. Tim Boyle stinks. You want to switch out, switch him out? Fine. Is, is the results going to change? No, they're not. And so you're still early enough in the season. You still have enough good players on offense and defense to try to at least appear to save your season now that Aaron Rodgers is not there. And when you look at the Vikings right now going to 0-3, there's no excuse not to get the deal done. Whatever it takes. If I was the Jets, I would truly give a first-round pick. Yeah, I call the Packers and obviously figure that out because they have a conditional first-round pick now on the table for Aaron Rodgers. That's not going to pay off. So you have to work out a deal with the Packers to free up that first-round pick. I absolutely would do it. I would trade a first-round pick to get Kirk Cousins here. Just bare minimum, keep this roster together for next season. Bare minimum. And if you're Kirk, you go lose a team that, on the surface, you could say, you know what, I'm going to be able to compete for a playoff spot where right now Minnesota... You're going nowhere and going nowhere fast. And you look at the Jets yesterday. 171 yards of total offense. Zach Wilson is running scared, throwing the ball away as much as he possibly can. 2 of 14, they were on third down. This is a mess. This is an absolute mess. And if you look at Robert Sala after the game, looking like he's being held hostage when asked about his belief level in, in Zach Wilson, that says it all. He's literally stammering, struggling to find the words to not just say my quarterback sucks. I get why you can say it, but that's the reality. And if you're the Jets, you cannot have this go any further. So even though it was another embarrassing loss for the Jets and another just pathetic day in offense led by Zach Wilson. And if you're the Vikings, your season ended yesterday in heartbreaking fashion in a loss to the Chargers in which you throw a pick at the end zone with seven seconds left with a chance to win the game. That also, I think, to me, seals not only your fate, but the fate of Kirk Cousins. Trade Kirk to the Jets. Get the best draft capital you can and use that draft capital back to either trade for a veteran quarterback for next season or trade up in the draft. And what appears to be right now a loaded, deep quarterback draft class in 2024. Either way, find your guy the future because right now, clearly, Kirk is not in their plans for the future. And if you're the Jets, clearly, you cannot go any further. Have Zach Wilson take one more snap 
as this team's quarterback. All right. And it's Ryan Hickey here in for Zach Elb with you on CBS Sports Radio. When we do return, the talk of the NFL world. It was not, no. It was not the Vikings. It was not the Jets. It was not the Dolphins almost making NFL history in their 70.726 total offense yardage uh, outburst on Sunday. The only thing most people care about was the appearance of Taylor Swift rooting on her, I guess, now boyfriend, if you want to call him that, Travis Kelsey. Chiefs fans, this is your worst nightmare. I'll tell you why when we do return, it's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Zach Gelb Show. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. Tremendous song by Taylor Swift. I'm not a Swifty, but she has great music. Tremendous music. Obviously, she made a lot of waves, to say the least, with her appearance at Arrowhead Stadium yesterday, cheering on now her new item. As well, I guess we can frame them right now. I I don't know if they're technically dating. Frankly, I don't really care. But nonetheless, she was there making her uh, her appearance known. Here's my thing, I guess, when you look at this new romance between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I think Taylor Swift is too popular to date. Going on a few dates, okay, that'd be a lot of fun. And, and for me personally, I could brag about dating or going on a few dates with Taylor Swift. I'd absolutely take the chance. It'd be cool. Tell your friends. But like in reality, she is too popular to actually have her be legitimately your girlfriend. Oh, I take it, Keith. All right, Manny's doing a great job producing. Let me explain myself here, Manny, because you are someone who believes I am stupid with that take. Well, not just with the take, but continue. <laughs> Here's the reality. Taylor Swift is one of the most popular global icons we have on this planet right now. Maybe she's number one. She's like almost 500 million Instagram followers. Everyone is a big Taylor Swift fan. But because of her popularity, I think there's too many hoops to go through. There's, there's, it's just, you are a prisoner of your own life at that point. That is my, that is my whole point. Even yesterday, Travis Kelsey, pretty popular guy. Scores a touchdown. Do we care about Travis Kelsey scoring a touchdown? No one cares. Do we care to see his touchdown dance? Nope, not at all. What do we care about? What does TV care about? What do fans care about? Seeing how Taylor Swift reacts to the touchdown. It's all about Taylor Swift. Not saying that Travis Kelsey should feel slighted. She's obviously the bigger star. But after the game, I'm not sure if you noticed this, and I don't think it's been confirmed, but internet sleuths are out there doing the dirty work. It's believed she left the Kelsey suite in a popcorn machine because fans were like outside the entrance hoping to get a peek, maybe an autograph or a picture with Taylor Swift. So, so many people were there. She had to basically sneak out and hide in plain sight in like a popcorn machine to get out of there. That is your life. Like that, that is my point. Taylor Swift, I'm sure is a nice girl, but you are now living in a fishbowl where everyone is watching your every move. You can't, live any sort of normal life. You cannot go anywhere without a swarm following you. Do you see what happened in the summertime? Taylor Swift went to dinner somewhere in the Jersey Shore for or like one of her friend's birthdays. It was supposed to be very quiet, low-key. Somehow, someone slipped, word got out. All of a sudden, within the span of like an hour, thousands of people have descended upon this restaurant to go see Taylor Swift. If you're Travis Kelsey or anyone, Joe Blow, that's not a life I would like to live. 
where you you were basically confined to your very nice, don't get me wrong, very luxurious, I'm sure very spacious house, apartment, whatever. But that's where you are basically stuck. So because she's so popular, she can't find love? Actual, true love? She can't. can find love. I just, it wouldn't be for me. <laughs> she's too popular for me. She's too, uh, but when you have two popular people, i.e. Swift and Kelsey, doesn't it kind of just cancel each other out? But she's 50 million times more popular. I agree. Like, Travis Kelsey. Here's an example. I, someone I know was in Las Vegas over the wintertime. Travis Kelsey was there. Travis Kelsey is at like a club, like hanging with the DJ, partying, having a good time, still fresh off the Super Bowl, living his life. Travis Kelsey is popular, right? For us as football fans, oh, Travis Kelsey is cool. But Taylor Swift's like on a whole other level where if he is now dating Taylor Swift, I bet you he can't be doing that. Like so, the place would get shut down and get too swarmed because, oh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend is now here. We got to go see. But what if Taylor's not with him? I think it's still just being associated, guilty by association. So no more, no more bro trips to Vegas or to San Diego or whatever. Like it, it, I think it's a like your life changes. Have you ever seen Taylor Swift just out somewhere? No. Exactly. Why? Because you can't. She's too popular. You can't live a normal life. And if you're saying right now, either date Taylor Swift and base again. It's a nice jail, but you're basically living your life in jail because you can't go anywhere and you're confined to only certain locations you can hang out in or live a normal life, do what you want, go to the store whenever you want, go to the bar whenever you want, walk down the street and not get harassed by thousands of people. I would take the latter. I would take a normal life, no fame, can do whatever I want, whenever I want. No fishbowl. <sighs> Think about it. Imagine you're a girlfriend. Manny right. had millions of fans sure. where if you said the wrong thing to her, you're in a fight and it became public. Now millions of people you do not know are attacking you in a situation where in a normal boyfriend, girlfriend fight, you could be right about. And now you got to deal with not just solving the fight, but now dealing with the backlash of all the fans. People are still going to be haters no matter what. People are still going to say whatever they want on social media. I'm just saying, it's a headache. Personally, Manny, I would not want. Mm. I would not want. And if you're a Chiefs fan, by the way, yeah, worst nightmare. Oh, why? What? Look, Taylor Swift has a history, right? Oh. Of dating not going very well. <laughs> Yo, I mean, am I, am I wrong? It's what most of her content is about. Exactly That's right. That's what my source is telling me. So I'm going to go on a limb here and say this probably will not end well. Probably. I, I hope it lasts. I'm rooting for them. I am rooting for them. I'm not sitting here openly rooting that they break up and it's a disaster. I hope they make it work. It'd be very cool. Hey, this is a win for us mustache men. <laughs> it's time well, for us to get our respect, damn it. I will say his mustache is a lot cleaner and less creeper than yours. So Listen, maybe that's... He can also afford to go to, you know, the barbershop every week and get it all tidied I up mean, and good looking. Let's be real. We're talking about, what, six inches worth of hair? You don't need to spend a lot of money to get that area cleaned up. You just don't like my mustache. Well, I, 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 as a former mustache wearer, is it the worst I've ever seen? No. Mm, I pull it off. I'm not saying you don't. I like the mustache. Appreciate I'm, you. Selfishly, when I had my mustache for a little bit, I kind of liked it myself. I think they should come back. And maybe Travis Kelsey, now that he... Has landed Taylor Swift. Maybe we'll come back. And you got bullied out of uh, off the mustache? No, not bullied. I just didn't want to shave again. That's the worst part of the mustache is shaving. So I like my beard. I don't have to have a razor to the face.
multiple times a week. It doesn't look sloppy. If you let like the stubble grow, it looks sloppy. Yeah, I can't. I I don't have that ability. You I got only a nice have it, clean face. I have it only on on the top lip. That's that's the only place where I can grow hair on my face. It's awful, but whatever. And you're keeping it. But if you're a Chiefs fan, and this again, just by numbers and odds perspective, go south. Do you need the Swifties now coming after Travis Kelsey before a playoff game? Do you need what? the Swifties sending hate towards TK? Before they play the the Bengals in the divisional round of the playoffs, wouldn't it be more motivation for him to go out and get three touchdowns? Well, what if he's heartbroken? This is a guy who All seems to be truly into Taylor Swift. You hope that you know this public, very public breakup would not lead to his head being not focused on the game. Uh, that would motivate me even more. 150 yards, 13 catches, two in touchdowns first half? in the first half. Damn right. <laughs> well, I guess you're just as they say, built different. You are built I am. different. Of course so, I am. Obviously, we're rooting for the success for Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Would I date her? I would not. Too popular for me. Would you date her, Manny? No. Oh. I wouldn't. Oh. But Someone like, who just called me stupid two minutes ago no, but like, has now changed their tune. I wouldn't date her because she's not my type. Uh, I don't care about the fame and all that. I better just, than Taylor Swift. She's now. a good-looking woman, but I just, I just, um, I'm good. Wow. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. To each their own. To each their own. But Chiefs fans, I'm telling you, be wary. And make sure if Travis needs an uplifting moment here before a playoff game, you are there to support him. But also in this game that's not talked about, I think is also equally important, if not more important, than the relationship of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift off the field is what we saw on the field. From Justin Fields, that is specifically. If you look at yesterday, Sunday has to be a turning point for Justin Fields' career. Last week, you go on the rant, right, and you you blame your coaches, you throw them under the bus, and you say, this week what? This week, I'm going to let it rip. I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm just going to play my style of game. How did that turn out for you, Justin? 11-22, 99 yards, one pick, 11 rushes, 47 yards. You score 10 points, sack three times, and you get smoked. Absolute blowout loss. How did that turn out? Not so well. You tried, and maybe were allowed, to play your style of football on Sunday against the Chiefs. And it looked identically bad as we've seen the first two weeks when you were playing not your style of football. You're trying to fit into what the coaches were asking you to do. This has to be rock bottom for Justin Fields because he has to realize, I can't do it on my own. If I'm going to get better, if I'm going to save my career, I have to lean and depend on the coaches, uh, coaches and players around me. Look, I'm not saying you're telling you the Bears coaches are any good, or the offensive line can block, they can't. Receivers can catch outside of DJ Moore, they can't. The run game can get established, can't. There's not a lot of good around Justin Fields. I will 100% admit that. But if you're Fields as well, because everything's so bad, you can't be the hero because your team is so bad, one man is not enough to uplift this entire team. One man is not good enough to overcome bad coaching, bad offensive line play, bad wide receivers, and bad run, uh, a bad running game. Can't do it. That's why if your field, Sunday is going to determine the direction of your career. Because if you realize that and say, you know what? I got to maybe take a step back now. Maybe try to meet halfway with the coaching staff. Have them, you know, try to help me out here as well. And fix this. I think his career, whether it's in Chicago or elsewhere, can be saved. But if he still is playing the victim card, if he's still trying to make it seem like he's, you know, being held back by everyone else around him, 
and still then going out and playing hero ball the rest of the 14 games, he is screwed. And nothing's going to change, and his career is only going to go downhill, and it's going to be over before it even starts. That's why Sunday, for how bad it was, needs to be rock bottom for Justin Fields' career. If he does not learn from Sunday, he'll never learn. And his crew will never get back on track. All right, week number three is almost over. Two Monday night games tonight. Buccaneers-Eagles getting set to kick off in Tampa 15 minutes from now. About an hour and 20 minutes or so from now will be the Bengals and the Rams. And it is official. Joe Burrow is active and will start for the Bengals. Some questions about his uh, calf and if he's going to sit or not. Jake Browning is the backup quarterback. But it will be Joe Burrow pushing it and playing here. We'll get to him and his status, if that's a good decision or not, here in a little bit. But when we return, coming off a monster weekend in college football, which team impressed you the most? Which team left you more or left a lot to be desired? We'll discuss next. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Elb, right here on CBS Sports Radio. 